This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Partners in Practice is produced this week in cooperation with the Association of Family Practice Physician Assistants, offering three annual CME conferences for PAs and NPs at family-friendly destinations nationwide. Now, here is your host, physician assistant, Lisa DeAndre Linnell. As more physician assistants and nurse practitioners turn to the Internet for medical information, our medical journals are getting thinner, consolidating, and disappearing. Many of us still enjoy the feel of a journal in our hands, the ability to throw it in our bag and read it on the go. Our journals are a part of our profession. They've documented our evolution, they educate us, and bring us together. What is the current status of our PA and MP journals, and what can we do to keep them strong into the future? My guest today is physician assistant Gary Falsitano publisher for Clinician Reviews and Emergency Medicine, and he's here today to discuss professional medical journals for physician assistants and nurse practitioners. Hi, Gary. Welcome to Partners in Practice. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Gary, in the past few years, there's been a lot of change in the medical publishing industry. What are some of the key drivers of that change? Well, there sure has. I mean, we've certainly seen a fairly large decrease in pharma support for medical publications in general, and more specifically in primary care and nurse practitioner physician assistant journals. Some of the reasons for that, you know, it's really multifaceted. There's been a big increase over the past 10 years in direct-to-consumer advertising. So a lot of the advertising dollars that were once spent on uh, professional advertising have been reallocated. Web-based information services have certainly taken the place of some of the information that was originally published in journals. And, you know, in general, journals are not the newest thing to come along, so people, you know, tend to funnel their money towards more exciting new media-type projects. So given what you've seen, what adjustments has the industry made to keep the PA and the NP print media active? First off, most publishers have kind of expanded their print media to include both electronic and print. You know, print is still very important to our readers and to us, but we've needed to expand and reach the new media areas as well. In order to keep costs under control, you'll notice that a lot of the folio sizes are smaller, so the actual size of our journals have decreased. We've increased our reliance as publishers on non-advertising type revenue, revenue that's derived from meetings or educational supplements. And last but not least, there have been some journals that have gone out of business in the last 10 years. So the pool of available journals is smaller, and it allows the ones that have survived to have a little bit more in the way of advertising dollars. Well, let's review the PAMP journals. Which ones are currently being published? You know, first off, we look at combined PANP journals, and there's, of course, Clinician Reviews, which I publish. Clinician Reviews is enjoying its 20th year of publication. It's one of the highest circulation journals. It was always designed to be both for NPs and PAs together. A new journal that has come about as a combination of PA and MP journal is Advanced for NP and PA. That was combined last year, and they've kind of combined the best of both of their journals into a uh, single journal for both professions. There's Clinical Advisor, who's been around for about 10 years, Consultant, which is really a physician journal that also circulates to a segment of the NPPA audience. And then there's a new journal for pediatric NPs and PAs. On the PA-specific side, you know, we have JAPA and PA Professional. And on the NP-specific side, we have several nurse practitioner journals that are specific to their individual organizations. Let's go back to clinician reviews for a minute and give a shout out to the visionary at the time, the founding publisher, which is Dave Mittman. And as you said, your 
currently the publisher for that journal. What makes it special and why should we read it? Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. You know, Dave Mittman saw 20 years ago that really our professions have so many more similarities than we do differences that we really need a lot of the same information and a lot of the same issues that one of us faces, the other faces as well. So, yeah, 20 years ago, Dave decided, you know, we need to have a journal that circulates to both NPs and PAs and addresses their issues. And that's what Clinician Reviews has been doing. You know, we've always been a very strong clinical-type publication. And in the last few years, we've also really emphasized professional issues as well. I mean, that's the one thing that NP and PA books can do outside of what you get from regular physician journals. I mean, we're able to really address the NP-specific, PA-specific professional issues that physician journals just won't address. You know, we're really most proud of being able to bring both professions together. When clinician reviews started, you know, people always spoke about PAs and NPs as two distinct groups. And now almost everywhere you turn, PAs and NPs are thought of in the almost the exact same time. You know, whenever they're referred to, they're always, you know, as referred to as a group as opposed to an individual, one over the other. There certainly has been a lot of change with that. And Clinician Reviews has always been at the forefront of that change. So I love my journals. I read them whenever they come in the mailbox. But I never really think about what I'm getting out of it when I read it. I just read it. So when we sit down and read the journal, what benefits should we be getting from that? It's obvious we're looking for clinical information for most of our journals, and it's very important to get high-quality information. But aside from that, we really need to look at our journal as an outlet for NPs and PAs to be published to their peers. It's very unusual for a physician-only journal to carry PA or NP specifically authored editorial. So, you know, our professional journals for PAs and MPs are essential in allowing us the professional development that comes with publishing and reaching out to our peers. You know, it's important on the clinical side, the journals help us maintain our diagnostic acumen. They help us with career development. They help us find new jobs. Some people see the ads as a negative, but I I actually, you know, have really come to appreciate that a lot of times new therapeutics come out and we're just not made aware of them. You know, it's not saying that we rush to use the latest medication that's been approved, but it's really good to be aware of it and not find out about it when your patient comes in asking about it because they saw it on a direct-to-consumer commercial. And, of course, professional issues, as I mentioned before, are very important. I mean, we really need to be able to address our professional issues within our journals. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with physician assistant Gary Falsitano, publisher for Clinician Reviews and Emergency Medicine. And we're discussing professional medical journals for physician assistants and nurse practitioners. So, Gary, explain to us what is peer review? What's the process, and how important is it to the success of a medical journal? Well, peer review is essential to any clinical journal. I mean, you know, medical editing that's done by our journal editors is really the the meat and potatoes of a clinical article. But peer review really is what sets an article apart because it really assures medical relevancy of the subject to current practice procedures. It assures the relevance and adherence to national guidelines. And it also gives the editors a clinician's perspective. You know, many times an editor will know what precisely, you know, what exactly the therapeutic should be, but putting it in a clinical situation and perspective is very important, and that's what comes from peer review. 
So it takes a lot of people to put out a journal. Let's talk about the skeleton that supports it. Who makes up the team and what does it take to get that journal to the readers? Absolutely. It is a very large team and some of it's on site at the publications, some of it's with our partners. You know, right at the heart of every journal is, of course, the editors. They're really the unsung heroes. The editors work to find story ideas and topic ideas, solicit manuscripts from contributors. The other thing I'd like to say about editors is, you know, it really is a church and state relationship with advertisers. Some people think when they look at their professional journal and they see there's, you know, uh, pharmaceutical advertising, they wonder if the content is at all affected by the ads that are, that are within the journal. And I can say, you know, almost, it's certainly in my experience and almost exclusively, advertisers do not have any input into, into the content in a journal. So it really is a church and state type of situation. Along with the editors, an editorial board uh, really helps to set the tone of the journal. Some of them act as peer reviewers. Some of them act as people who facilitate getting articles to the right peer reviewers if, if it's not within their specialty. You know, the sales force, you know, the publisher is the, not only the leader of the journal, but also the leader of the sales force. So the sales force is, is extremely important because, you know, just like anything else, we need money to make the world go around and financing for the journal is, is very important to be able to bring essential information to the reader. Along with that, we have an art department who not only takes care of photos and, you know, what we would think of as art, but also really lays out the whole publication and makes sure that the whole layout of the text and the photos is aesthetically pleasing and is formatted correctly. A uh, new media department that takes the written word and puts it into electronic format for our websites and e-newsletters. The production department that makes sure all of the ads and all of the printed material gets produced at the printer correctly. Circulation department that determines who gets the journal and when they get it. Public relations, marketing, senior management. I could go on and on. There's really a lot of people that go into making sure that the reader gets a quality journal. And last but not least, of course, the post office who delivers the print version. Well, everyone on that list has to generate some revenue. How is revenue generated with the current model? The current model is based a little bit on what we consider the old model of publishing and a little bit on the new model. I mean, journal advertising is display ads is still really the key driver for revenue in a journal. In addition, we've had to place increased emphasis on other areas of revenue, things like special projects, doing supplements, doing special types of advertising, even, even things like cover tips and wraps that help bring attention to an advertiser's product. Well, someone who values the medical journals, I'd be more than willing to pay for a subscription to maintain them as I see more and more of them disappearing. Do you see some of that coming down the road? Yes and no. I mean, we really have a paradigm that's been established over the past 50 years that, you know, most of our journals, like Clinician Reviews, have not had any subscription fees. And I would agree, I would be willing to pay for that as well. That, that can be a hard pill to swallow for some clinicians, especially when you're used to receiving something without paying for it. Certain publications have gone down that road and have tried to convert a portion of their circulation to paid status, but I think the jury's still out as to whether uh, clinicians are really ready for that at this point. Well, you said earlier that the journals are getting thinner and thinner, which is it's hard not to notice. They're kind of looking like our, our newspapers. Do you think they're going the way of the newspaper? Yes and no. I mean, you know, I, I heard a quote recently that, that said newspapers, we really don't need them. What we need is news gathering organizations. We need good journalism. And to a certain extent, that's true of print journals as well, except from what we're seeing, people really still do love their print publications. 
so it's really incumbent upon us as publishers to really deliver and engage readers and deliver information to readers slash viewers or listeners, in, in the case of ReachMD, in their preferred medium. And I think there's plenty of room for everyone, whether it be the print page, whether it be our journals in electronic format, or whether it be other types of media. We are seeing journals being looked at more as a safe harbor in recent years, and advertisers are starting to increase their spends once again. Not a lot, and probably not to the levels that we saw in previous decades, but we are seeing increased support from advertisers, really using journals as a tried-and-true method to reach their intended audiences. So with the online content, is it the same as what you would get in the journal, or is the e-clinician reviews model different than what you'd read in print? In some cases, it is a little bit different, but certainly with clinician reviews, we have what is known as an e-reader version that's available on our website, and that is exactly the same as the print version, and it gives you that type of reader format where you're almost flipping through the pages, so it's kind of an electronic simulation of reading the print journal. Typically, a lot of websites do offer expanded clinical content on their websites because they can, because they're not limited by the cost of print and paper, so when when they have more topics than they can fit into their print, they do sometimes put additional content onto the web. Gary, what can PAs and MPs do to keep our print media flourishing into the future? Well, gosh, you know, the most important thing that you can do is submit ideas and be supportive of our professional journals. Our editors are very easy. They're fun to work with, and they really make writing professional articles a lot easier than it may seem if you've never done it before. So absolutely, call our editors. Submit ideas. And, you know, you don't have to write an entire article first. Just come up with an idea. If the editors, you know, think that it's something that hasn't been overdone and is relevant, they'll absolutely guide you into preparing an article. You know, additionally, actively read. You know, remember, there's a lot of medical information out there, but the difference with journals is that, you know, they are peer-reviewed. They do have editors that are really vetting the information. So, you know, you can, you know, be assured that the content you're getting has already been looked at by some of your peers and by some people that really want to make sure that the information is accurate. But provide feedback. You know, write letters to the editor. Become an active reader instead of a passive reader. Answer readership surveys. You know, there's third-party readership surveys out there that ask you which journals you read. Support your profession-specific journals as well the physician journals, you know, tell people that you enjoy and read them because that's what advertisers use when they're determining their advertising spend. They look at these surveys to see where they should place their ads. Don't forget to visit us at national conferences at the AAPA, the ANP. Come meet us, our editors, tell us how we're doing and put a face to some of the names you see in the journal. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'd like to thank my guest, Gary Falsitano, for reminding us that when we read a journal, We're doing much more than just learning. I believe there are enough of us who enjoy the feel of a journal in our hands that we can keep print copy alive. You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160. Partners in Practice has been produced this week in cooperation with the Association of Family Practice Physician Assistants, offering three annual CME conferences for PAs and NPs at family-friendly destinations nationwide. You can download this program or any other program at our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.